0: To introduce our guest today, um, he has almost 20 years' experience in talent development, recruitment, and executive search. is somebody that I've known for quite some time, and now heads up recruitment for one of our partners at tech company and green energy supplier, Bold. Now, the series couldn't go without a technical difficulty or two, um, so sadly we won't be able to see Michael today, uh, but we can hear his words of wisdom, uh, which is the most important thing. Good morning, Michael. How's it all going?
1: Uh, morning, Matt. Yeah, it's good. Um, I'm, I'm so, I, as much as I'm disappointed about the video, you
0: don't get to see my lockdown haircut, so um, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right today. I'm support, uh, supporting, sporting mine, and um, yeah, it's getting a bit drastic. Um, I'm sure many of the people listening already know you well, um, but for those who don't, could you give us a bit of your your backstory? Um, and your kind of career and history in and sort of recruitment and, and people operations? Yeah, so I've
1: actually worked mostly predominantly in like recruitment like agency side for most of my career in executive search companies. In fact, um, back from when I left university in 99, I worked in, in recruitment agencies. I set up my own small executive search firm in 2009 uh, and did that for quite a few years um, before getting... Interested in like helping small companies grow quickly and how they go about like hiring people and um, sort of, um, you know, p- p- sort of talent strategy for businesses that are going quite fast mm. uh, which introduced me to seed and ultimately to bulb um, and uh, Since 2016 I've been heading up recruitment and a few other things at bulb
0: perfect and as the head of recruitment for bulb and um, can you tell us a little bit about the company's sort of mission, vision and, and what you're all about there?
1: Yeah, sure. So Bulb is an energy supplier. I imagine some of the people on the call may have heard of us. Um, we, Our mission is to reduce carbon emissions. Um, pretty simple. Uh, to do that, we do that by um, getting more people to switch to renewable energy supply. Uh, and we do that by having a better energy product and what's existed in the past so um when we talk about energy product we mean everything from pricing to the renewable side of it to the digital experience to the customer experience um so we've got a company that you know is supplies your home with gas and electricity like like any other energy supplier but gives you a better experience and uh also is
0: green um, i am a customer the sign up is easy if anybody wants to um that is a great um, a great organization and a great mission and mission and vision and you know i think the growth of the organization um supports that really um so where does your role come into helping the organization achieve that mission and vision and i guess what's what's your main focus when it comes to talent and people at above so these days
1: i'm pretty much exclusively focused on recruiting um with a, and I have a I have a team of recruiters uh, that I work with. I guess in terms of bulbs business, there's sort of two or three areas in which we recruit most. So we're an energy company. Our customer service is highly regulated. We have to provide customer service to to to, to uh, well you know well, well over one and a half million people. So we have a big um, sort of CX function, if you want to call it that, and then. Because we're a tech business and um, a lot of the stuff that makes us operate as leanly as we do is is driven by building and um, technology, then, products and engineering is another big area. Obviously, at the scale that we're at now, and we're now 800 people at Bulb, you also have, you know, I have recruiters working on sort of support functions, recruitment, so, and central
0: functions like marketing, finance, people, and, um, you know, those sorts of things. Cool. Yeah, I remember stepping foot into the air. the old bulb office when it was eight people, uh, <laughs> and everybody was on the phone, including the founding team. Um, so it's great to see that. that yeah, um, wild ride for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I guess speaking of growth, in 2019, um, bulb became the UK's fastest growing start- startup, which is you know an incredible um, accolade. Um, you know, from eight to 800. I think you said. Um, what have been some of your biggest learnings? Um, from a people and, and talent perspective, as you go through that sort of very early startup stage through to um, you know scale up or through scale up mode.
1: So wow, I've learned so much in the last <laughs> years. It's kind of hard to know where to start. I think be really be really careful like about recruiting for your own team. I think if you work in talent, I think um, you know we are as recruiters, we're the first people that anyone who might come and work for the company interact with. I think. Uh, recruitment is pro- is probably one of the most important activities that the company does, but one of the ones that it has the least time for because all the hiring managers are interested in operations and delivering results. But um so I think you need to be really careful about the recruiters that you hire. I think that's really, really important. Um I think if you're in a really fast growth business, there will come a point, no matter what you do, where your management, the management capability of the team is behind the size of the team so you, cuz you can hire more jun- you can always hire more junior people more quickly than you can hire more senior people um so i think having a plan for what your management having a having a longer term plan for what your management team needs to look like if the business is successful earlier is probably like really valuable yeah so
0: really, that's a- Carry on, Michael. Sorry, we we
1: have a situation where at times we were growing at twenty or thirty thousand customers a week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if a very senior hire has three months notice and two months to find them, you know the company can grow by half a million customers in the time it takes for that person to start. Um, and you need to hire a hundred customer service people in that time, right? Like it's it, the business is different, so
0: plan ahead. Yes. That's a really interesting point, and I think it was um it's been touched upon in a couple of the webinars really in terms of you know hiring for today um and hiring for the future and in an organization that is expanding the customer base at the rate of an organization like Bold, yeah, absolutely the landscape um could be completely different um from point of offer except at point of start, so yeah, that planning and looking ahead um is super super important. And you've already given some some good advice, um, but what's the kind of the one standout piece of advice you'd give to talent leaders when it comes to building a high-performing team? You've already touched on the the, the reality that the the recruitment function are the front line um, for prospective employees and how important to get the the right people are. But um, is there anything else you'd add to sort of that particular topic? I think so. Maybe
1: slow down to speed up and and just think about processes a bit. Um, I think one of the things that I would say was, you know, you learn everything from mistakes, right? Was was that when you're trying to move really, really, really fast, which you often are in these fast growth businesses, you sometimes forego good quality process um, in order to to get people into an interview process quickly, to get them through an interview process quickly. but not having a set, not knowing what that process is, or how you make the the hiring decision, or like what criteria you're measuring, not having that stuff written down will slow you down. Even if you think you're moving really fast, mm-hmm. because you won't be able to assess people properly, you won't be able to make decisions easily. Um, so I think step back, think about what you're trying to achieve from the hire. Make sure that your interview process assesses the right things. Make sure you have a really clear idea about how you're going to make that hiring decision. And then when you start the process you can move much faster because there's very little sort of ambiguity
0: um, mm-hmm. but it is a bit slowing down to speed up yeah that makes perfect sense and you touched on um what i think is a really common challenge for organizations that are going through any phase of growth and that is that the the folks in the organization that you need to have committed to interviews are often committed to many other things as well Um, I think it'd be really interesting for the listeners and I'd certainly love to learn how you can manage the business's expectation in terms of the commitment that's required from them um, and how you uh, encourage, let's say, um, the business to give that essential time to to supporting the recruitment process and, and attending interviews and creating a great experience and making those hiring decisions.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not easy, right? Like People have objectives and things that they need to work on and lots of meetings, uh, particularly in sort of senior management roles. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think we've sort of set the expectation. I think it has to be led from the top. So our CEO is very much behind this. That interviews for roles um, are more important than almost any other external meeting or internal meeting. So um, our recruiters are actually able to, (laughs) like push around the management in terms of diary management because interviews take priority. Um, But it's not always the case and there's always someone who thinks that something else is more important. I think the other thing that you need to do in order to support that sort of like rule, if you like, is to really just kind of have a bit of a hearts and minds campaign with your management team to make them realize that in their future careers, the ability to hire good, great people, build great teams is one of the like Biggest skills that they can take anywhere with them. You know, if they can if they can interview really well, hire really well, build really great teams, that's not going to do them any harm in their future career. So you have to kind of sell the benefit to them a bit of of like spending quite a lot of time on recruitment, yeah. um, uh, and uh, that helps get them on board. But I think
0: ultimately we just have a rule which is that interviews are more important than anything else. I think that's a really <clears throat> firm statement, particularly coming from. The CEO that you know interviews Trump, other meetings, and we talk a lot with people about how to empower their organization to achieve success <clears throat> from a hiring perspective. And I think that is a a great takeaway that um, you know if an organization does want to hire and hire well and hire at pace, that allowing your your managers to to make those decisions or making that decision for them, I think, is really really positive and progressive. Cool, um, what would you say is the biggest piece of b s advice or <clears throat> knowledge share that you hear banded about when it comes to scaling teams um, I'm trying to think biggest load of b s um Um, I'm not sure about that. I can't think of an answer to that. <laughs> you must have
1: had sound advice. Come back to that. I want to think about that because I'm sure that there's I have heard a lot of
0: BS over the time. I'm just trying to work out what <laughs> 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 Sorry. That's quite all right, no worries. Um both organizations seed and bold kind of share um one particular value, which is continuous improvement. And you know that can be taken in in many different ways, but I'd love to kind of talk a bit about what continuous improvement looks like um, from a talent and recruitment perspective. You know, for you and your teams, is it about the process that we've touched on? Is it being data driven, um, candidate and hiring manager experience, and how we monitor that? And I guess how would you say that's evolved over the past sort of four years um, that you've been in the organisation? Because the organisation has evolved massively um, and i'm sure you and your your function have had to as well yeah it's it's
1: weird so continuous improvement quite often in the early days was someone's seeing something that was broken or inefficient and just going and fixing it themselves mm. without really like any sort of mandate to do it just like this is this is inefficient i can automate this or um you know this process that we have for recruiting this type of role is seems like If you look at the data, I mean, there's a bit bit about being informed by data because you can see that maybe we're interviewing too many people or not enough people are passing interviews. um, Or maybe we're um, getting loads of applicants, but they're not right or something and going and and fixing that process. Mm -hmm. And that's across the whole organization. So not just the talent and recruitment team. I think when we got now that we're much, much bigger, if you look at, say, our customer experience team or our product and engineering team you can't really have people just going rogue and going, I'm going to fix this or I'm going to automate this because like, you know, you first, you probably, it, but other people have probably spotted the problem. You're probably like duplicating work. Um, it's very difficult how to communicate. So, so the larger parts of the team still like, um, have sort of more roadmap type approach. Um, but in my team, which is not huge, there are only like six people in my team um, and, and people have clear responsibilities for different areas. It's something that we just work on all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, my tech recruiter is constantly working with the cto on how we can make the tech recruitment process more efficient how we can you know make the funnel operate as sort of efficient as we can possibly can so interviewing the fewest number of people for the most number of hires making sure the quality of those interviews is and the people that are making it through are the best that they can possibly be making sure that we assess technical assessments really quickly making sure that we use technology wherever possible to reduce time spent either from the recruiting team or the management team. Um, and yeah, and over time, it's just got better and better and better. So I guess that's what
0: continuous improvement means to us. Cool. And how do you, is, you mentioned that this is just something that just happens, which is great. Like it's in, in the rhythm of your, your business and team. Do you track or log any of these sort of improvement cases or, or is it just sort of done, done on the fly? No,
1: it's a sort. Well, yeah, kind of, yeah. So we, it's a, it's a cultural expectation, right? So, so when people are like, when people, when we look at our progression frameworks for like how you move up in your career, when we look at how you, um, when you do quarterly reviews or feedback or regular feedback or whatever it is, um, and we don't, we don't use all of those things all of the time, but when you're doing those things, you all, there's always a, a thing. Uh, a bulb. We have basically business as usual, and make it better. Make it better mm-hmm. is our is part of our values. It's part of our culture. Is we talk about it all the time. If you're going into a meeting with your manager, whether that's me or one of my team, they're always like, "So, what did you make better? Like, what did you fix?" So it's more of setting a cultural expectation. Um, there will be times where you have a specific project. Maybe you want to um, change a bit of technology that you use in the assessment process, or uh, and you have to write a business case and do a recommendation and do a bunch of demos and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and that's a kind of bigger project. But even if you're not working on something like that, there is a, a sort of cultural expectation
0: that you're constantly looking to make things better. So I mean, that's brilliant. And I like the line of questioning really kind of essentially what have you done in your day job um, and what have you done to make it better? Um, and that kind of almost repetition, I guess, in, in communication at a, a team level and a company level. Um, it's fantastic. I like that a lot. Um, so, yeah, you've seen the organization grow you know, astronomically um, since yeah. since joining. Um, you, we've talked a little bit about the culture of continuous improvement, but how do you create and maintain an environment to enable your teams to thrive? What does that look like in practice and how has that had to adapt over the last few months in particular with... Um, would be the, um, the COVID nineteen situation. Yeah,
1: so is it? Di- I mean, different managers do this differently. I'm, I'm, like, quite hands off manager, I suppose. I, I mean, that's probably just me. I'm just time short, I suppose. But um, I mean, I like working with people where I can manage the results and not like the activity. So um, allow people the freedom to do make the decisions about how they spend their time. As long as the results follow, um, I think that's always been important to me. Uh, I'm, I, I don't like or enjoy managing day on day activity, uh, and I think the, the the people that do well in my team and enjoy it, I think are the people who, who can who who have that autonomy to go and do the stuff that they do. In terms yeah. of the last few months, right, it's been we're in a sort of game of two halves in terms of the lockdown. So the first part of it, we were still recruiting incredibly quickly. I think we hired 140 people in the first um, couple of months of, of this sort of uh, lockdown. Um, and I think the team was stretched, but were like pleased to be busy. And when they were seeing friends and family and other people struggling or being furloughed or being made redundant, um, and then I think the second half has been, as we've slowed recruitment, because obviously thing, this whole thing's gone on a bit longer than perhaps we originally anticipated. Mm. Um, it's been about trying to find those projects to really make, like fix the things that we've always wanted to fix that we've never had time to fix. Yeah. Um, so that when when things start to ease a bit and we're and we I mean, we're still recruiting, but just not quite as quickly as we were, then we can, like, we, we fix a bunch of stuff that, that would be, was annoying us before. So um, that's kind of been, it's been a sort of crazy hiring period, then a make it better period. Um, and I think that's helped keep people busy and engaged. Um, you know, and ultimately, I mean, you know, right now we're we're in reasonably good, secure jobs. So, uh, you know, I think we
0: shouldn't complain too much about our circumstances. For sure. And I think a lot of the people I've spoken to during this period have, uh, as you put it, use this as a make it better period um and know certainly from a a seed perspective it's been um a blessing in many ways that we've had this um change of pace um and been afforded time that we haven't had before and i know that we've uh we've rattled through a lot of things that were on the backlog and <clears throat> reviewed a number of things um, that we just wouldn't have had time when we're operating at you know 500 miles an hour so i totally understand um for those people who are kind of perhaps sat in their TA role now or they're a TA leader and they're, they're struggling to think of where to to point their teams and to keep them you know engaged occupied and you know doing productive work to help the function and the business moving forwards what kind of examples could you give um people of of productive work to to do during quieter times of hiring
1: so I mean, it's it's difficult. I think I think the first thing is you've got to look at you've got to have good data and look at the data and like what yeah. you've got to realize is how much time is spent on uh, on recruitment activities. So how, like on each part of a recruitment process, whether it's how much time you spend reaching out to software engineers in order to hire some tech people, whether it's the amount of time that you spend interviewing customer service people through an assessment center, and like and and think where where do I think like I can save. Time from this process, and like, how can I, um, like, still have really high quality of like hiring decision, but actually make it more efficient? Um, I think in the type of business that I'm in, when you're growing really fast, those efficiency savings are like absolutely vital to hitting your objectives. Um, the kind of things that we've been doing is, we we don't so an assessment center is how we hire our customer service people. It's been uh, my team's done an amazing job of turning that into a remote experience um we i guess when we first went into this period we thought it would either be we we'd have the in-person experience we then go for a period where it was the remote experience and then we just go back to the in-person experience and that was kind of like it was like binary i think what we realize now is that that remote experience or semi-remote experience is going to be with us for a long long time i think people just going into a room with 15 other people and doing an assessment center is probably not something that we're going to see back for a while Mm-hmm. So i can getting my team to work on what the sort of assessment centre of the future looks like, um, yeah. as opposed to like prior or now. Uh, so that's been and and how can we make sure that it's as efficient as possible? That's been a useful example of stuff that we've done.
0: Hundred percent. And it's a very <clears throat> couple of things that I picked up on there. Um, I completely agree with you know when hiring at scale, you know percentage gains um, at different stages of the process, however small they seem. Um, can make a significant impact on, you know, put through business time, recruiter time, capital experience, hiring decisions and, you know, if you're making percentage gains each cycle, you know, from an improvement perspective that can have a, a tremendous um, tremendously positive impact on on hiring success. Um, yeah, that's why you need data, right? Because if you don't have yeah. data, you don't even know where, the, where you can make Exactly, and you and I have spoken a lot about ATS data, manual data, <laughs> and getting all of these things together so that you can make those informed decisions and create that sort of improvement plan. And I completely agree, you know, hiring in the future, in the present, um, is definitely going to be very different to the future. You know, that whole recruitment process and onboarding process will be far more remote than it has been previously. You know, for some companies that have had elements of remote and It might be less of a steep learning curve, but I think for everyone to understand, I like the way you put that, you know, sort of recruitment or assessment of the future um, is a very, very worthwhile project just to make sure you can still assess for all of the important cultural elements and and skills-based elements that people rely on that face-to-face meeting and engagement to do. So yes, much to be done um, on that topic. Definitely. Um Marissa and, and Manuel touched on this a little bit last week and I think it's important for us to keep talking about it. But hiring talent from all walks of life has been a big focus um, you know, for yourself and the Bulb team. Mm-hmm. Um and you published an article called Why Diversity Makes Us a Better Energy Company. Um I'd love to sort of hear a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, so I think that blog's a bit out of date now. I think it might have... Cho- I was reading it out of date and I realized it chopped some of the articles off. We've actually written some much more... So if you go onto the bulb blog, there's some more recent um, uh, diversity articles which members of my team have written, which are... Um, and diversity is hugely important to, to Bold. I mean, mm-hmm. generally... We have three challenges, at Paul, right? like, which is we're an energy company, we are a tech company, and we hire a lot. Of, we have historically hired a lot of people from sort of STEM backgrounds, so science, technology, engineering, um, and maths. Um, and, and all of those things lack diversity, particularly within gender, but, but across other um, underrepresented groups as well. So uh, we knew that that could be a problem. Um, undiverse teams perform less well than diverse teams. Um, so we, well, the first thing we did was we measured our diversity and published it. And, uh, by doing so, you hold yourself to account for making it better. I'm about to making it better. Um, and then, you know, we've done, I mean, we've done so many things to like, to increase diversity and inclusion, make sure that we're the kind of environment that people from underrepresented backgrounds want to come and work for, uh, producing content, videos, um, You know, making sure all our job descriptions are sort of neutral, um, attending loads and loads of events, um, spending lots of time on specifically trying to source candidates, you know, doing um, diverse shortlists for senior hires. We even measure our our extended leadership team diversity versus the rest of the organization to make sure that we're not um, diverse um, as a business, but not diverse at management level. So, Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that, that all those things. We, I mean, there's, there's probably way more. I mean, we probably haven't got enough time to go through them all. But, yeah, it's something that we've um, been focused on since we were back before we were 20 people. So um, I think the other thing I would advise to people who are working in small companies that are going to grow is I think I saw an article from Monzo once about accruing diversity debt. So when you're growing that for a first bit, go, well, OK, we don't care about diversity for the first bit. Because we just need to be bums on seats and then we'll come back and fix it later. I would mm. probably avoid that if you can. Um and try and do it earlier. Um because um yeah, it's a hard problem to fix if if,
0: if you um if you haven't focused on it from the start. Yeah. So building diversity has been well, building a diverse organization, should I say, has been a a senior management, I guess, strategy yeah, if you right, like. From a, from the computer. From the start, from the start, no one was ever like just like it was. We yeah, we
1: need a diverse team from day one. I'm almost certainly from my day one. Um,
0: cool. And I, I've been in in this situation myself, and you, and I'm sure many other kind of recruiting and talent teams are, where you you have a business objective to um, have diverse pipelines and, and make the right you know hiring decisions. But you also need to make those decisions quickly and and make hires to hit the product roadmap and all of these kinds of things. So how, I guess, what advice would you give to people to sort of manage the 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 you know the bums on seats um, versus, um, versus the initiatives? Because one is obviously like can be should I say particularly in, in in tech slower than the
1: other. I think it's a bit like the continuous improvement point that I made earlier. A lot of it's about cultural expectation. Like it's about mm-hmm. it's about not not valuing the results of like bums on seats above all else um yeah if you think about it in one-to-ones in the comp, if you like it's, if it's it's almost like results through repetition like you know like there is no one in my team has like any misunderstanding that diversity is really important and um but also it's difficult to set like specific objectives around um uh around diversity for a recruiting team without opening up the risk of behaviours that are, like, not fair to everyone. Um, so it's about setting the cultural expectation but making sure that, um, you know, people know how to behave properly and are still treating everyone fairly, um, but that everyone knows that diversity is, like, a really important thing to bold. Um And, yeah, if anyone works at BOLB doesn't think that we we about building a diverse team, then I don't know where they where they've been
0: hiding. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a really great point. Um and like with many things that that are super positive about bulb, you know, they are they filter through all layers of management. You know, quite often you will hear diversity inclusion as a a fashionable thrown up, you know, comment thrown out there, we should do this, we should do that. Um, but empowering the teams and the managers to Get the teams to to execute and understand that is just the business norm. Um, I think is exceptional, uh, and like you say, many of the the organisations out there are trying to catch up from that um, that debt. So some really great points there, Michael. Thank you. No. Um, something we haven't discussed on the series before is is leadership hiring. Um, now I know yourself, Michael, you've had your own sort of executive search yeah. businesses, and I think you're a uh, Still turning your hand to a bit these days. Um, so what should I guess you know, leadership hiring look for in an early stage company? Um and how can talent leaders ensure their brands stand out to more senior hires and perhaps differentiate themselves from the, you know, the bigger names out there? You know, imagine you are sub fifty person bulb, you know, twenty person bulb, not you know, the yeah. size that you are today.
1: So there's a few things. The stuff that I said slow down to speed up earlier about having a really good idea about what you're trying to achieve from a leadership hire is absolutely crucial. So um, in terms of like working out what when you're hiring someone to join the leadership team or or to run a part of the business, you need to know very clearly what your objectives are and what that person needs to be able to do to achieve those objectives. And then you need to build a recruitment process that tests all those things and has a very clear plan for how you make a decision about who to hire. So I think that's the first thing that you really need to do with leadership team hiring. I think in terms of attracting leadership talent, I think you need recruiters who can understand, who are sort of experienced enough to understand what the the things that interest people are. Because if you join a a sub 50 person company, there were, there's a very good chance that you'll be doing activity that's both strategic and important, along with some hands-on operational stuff. Mm. Uh, and you need people who are not going to be phased by that, so are happy to like jump from the like what I guess a lot of people think is the more interesting strategic stuff down to like bashing out a spreadsheet or crunching some numbers or like you know I mean back, like you said when we were eight people you know even our CEO was getting on the phone to customers so. Um, I think finding people who are comfortable in that environment is not easy and you need to work out how to test comfort with that because if you hire people from big companies quite often, they've sort of left that stuff, the operational stuff behind them and they might tell you that they're comfortable doing it but but actually when it comes down to it, they, they don't want to do it. So I guess that's one thing that you need to be careful of. Uh, and then it's about the opportunity, the purpose, you know, what the future holds for these people, What why it would be better for their career to join
0: a company at that stage than uh, a later stage. That's brilliant. Thanks very much, Michael. I've just been given a nudge to say that we're actually over time. Oh, uh, no. So, um, clearly, um, I could chat to Michael all day, and often we do, over, <laughs> over a <laughs> beverage. But, um, so, I mean, there's some really um, salient points that we've covered off today. Um, particularly interesting approach to interviews continuous improvement I mean, for me the standout piece is the cultural genuine sort of cultural um, belief around certain topics you know, empowering the organisation to make hiring successful which in turn makes the organisation successful um, so hopefully there's some really cool um, points for people to pick up on there um, Thanks everyone for joining us on the series. As always, it's been a real pleasure.